Welcome to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Sam Abbott, registered dietitian nutritionist and PCOS nutrition expert. I'm here to help you learn how to manage PCOS and support your hormones while also having a healthy relationship with food in your body. You can improve PCOS symptoms and labs without dieting. Get ready to feel better with PCOS and leave diet culture in the rearview mirror. Welcome back to another episode of the Nourish with PCOS podcast. I am your host, Sam, and I'm so excited to be continuing this conversation all about intuitive eating and PCOS. So if you did not catch the previous episode, last episode, I walked you through the 10 principles of intuitive eating. And in this episode, I'm going to be chatting about how intuitive eating looks different if you have a medical condition like PCOS. So part of the reason I wanted to record this episode is because I see so much online mostly from people who are not familiar with intuitive eating or they don't really understand or haven't been trained on the nuances of intuitive eating. I see people saying that you can't be an intuitive eater if you have a health condition, if you have a need to restrict a certain food group, if you have a condition that affects hunger and fullness. And this is actually not true. Everyone can be an intuitive eater. It's just that intuitive eating might look a little different. And that is what we are going to talk about today. Basically, I'm going to point out in some of the principles where you need to make some special considerations or where things may feel harder or different. And we're going to start out with principle one, which is letting go of the diet mentality. So just as a little refresher from our last conversation in the previous episode, letting go of the diet mentality is really moving away from focusing on weight and weight loss as a means to improve health. And the reason this is the first principle of intuitive eating is because we see in research that most intentional weight loss efforts do not last long term and end up causing more harm than good. Yo-yo dieting and weight cycling is tied to worsening health outcomes, including higher levels of inflammation and worsening insulin resistance. And this is what we don't want with PCOS because those are some of the root issues of PCOS. Whereas with intuitive eaters, we tend to see improved labs like lower triglycerides, um, better blood sugar control, better mental health, those types of things. This can be a really hard thing to conceptualize when you're whole life or ever since you've been diagnosed with PCOS, you've been told you need to lose weight to manage your PCOS. And this comes from the thought that fat tissue on the body makes insulin resistance worse and is inflammatory and can cause higher androgens. So this recommendation is made like with the thought of, oh, well, if you decrease fat on the body, then your PCOS symptoms should improve, or this should be a tool for managing PCOS. 
And there are a lot of things to think about with this recommendation. And if you're kind of believing in this type of recommendation, one is that just because somebody has PCOS, it doesn't change anything we know about dieting. Still, for the most part, weight is a factor that is outside of most people's control, and your body is going to continue to settle at its healthy set point weight or really fight to get to that set point weight range. So whether or not somebody has PCOS, that doesn't really change anything. Another thing is that there are so many thoughts and nuances that we need to explore with weight science. I'm actually thinking about doing a whole other podcast episode about that. But I think we really need to look at number one, how is that advice to lose weight or focus on weight loss? How is that actually serving the PCOS community? Because what I see in practice is that is leading to stress and anxiety around food, poor body image, for the most part, not even really improving symptoms, anxiety around healthcare, maybe avoidance of medical care because of that that weight-centric thinking. And I think we need to look at how effective is this advice. Also, and this is where weight bias in research comes in because so often studies are done with the viewpoint of what can we show here around weight loss. What we see in practice, and I know a lot of my colleagues have have talked about this, people on my podcast have talked about this, is that you can lose weight with PCOS and actually see your symptoms get worse. If you're doing things to put stress on the body, which a lot of times with dieting, that tends to happen you can also see an improvement in your PCOS symptoms and your weight may not change, or you may even see an increase in weight if you were experiencing disordered eating and your weight is kind of being restored to where it naturally is meant to be. My client, Sarah, if you want to go back to, I believe it's episode six, she actually shares how when she was participating in one of my programs, she lowered her A1C and actually experienced an increase in weight. So I really encourage you, just like we were talking about in the previous episode, to really sit with what has been your personal experience by centering weight as like the barometer for how you're managing your PCOS, how is that affecting you physically, mentally, and emotionally? And if you feel like that's serving you well, I'm not here to disagree with you or try to talk you out of anything. I'm more here for anyone who feels like that is not serving them very well to show you that there is another way where you can have a peaceful relationship with food and you don't have to sacrifice managing PCOS in order to get there. So letting go of the diet mentality is going to be harder because of this like continued medical recommendations to lose weight. I will say from being involved in PCOS advocacy and being able to participate in several like discussions around the future care of PCOS and research around PCOS, 
there definitely has been a shift in how some of the PCOS medical community really feels like we should be approaching the topic of weight loss. I feel like it would take a lot for medical care to be 100% weight inclusive, but I feel like it's a really good step of really this discussion of like, hey, is this continued focus on weight and losing weight, is that actually helping people manage PCOS? Is that actually improving people's health and overall well-being? And kind of this thought that really the conversation should just be shifting more to behaviors, encouraging you to just care for yourself, looking at other markers like labs and acne, hirsutism, hair loss, whether or not you're getting a regular period, like looking at all of these other factors instead. So I'm really happy with where that shift in conversation is going, but I know like healthcare as a whole isn't there yet, which leads me to the last piece of advice here for you is to really look at who is part of your support team when it comes to you really thriving with PCOS. So this would include your healthcare team, your doctors, if you're working with somebody like a registered dietitian, a personal trainer, a physical therapist, anybody like that, how are they encouraging you to approach food and nutrition? And how is that affecting how you feel in your body with PCOS? And I think when you have a strong support system and you have a community of people you can lean on, it is a lot easier to take a more objective view as to how dieting and food restriction is impacting you. It really, really impacts you when everyone around you is just telling you continuously that you're not doing things right, you should be trying harder, you should be losing weight, all of these things that can really impact how you work through the intuitive eating principles. And that's also why I love group coaching, actually. My Nourish with PCOS program is a group program. It's because you get that built-in sense of community. I know people stay connected to each other when they graduate. I also have a continuation program for anybody who graduates from group coaching. So if you want to stay connected with people, you definitely can there. Okay, so how else does intuitive eating look different for PCOS? Trying to challenge the food police and quiet that little voice in your mind about food rules and the morality around food, that's also going to feel a lot harder because most of the clients that I work with with PCOS have had a long history where they have been encouraged to focus on restriction and they have had life experiences that have made them feel like their body was betraying them or they're in the wrong body or if they just did certain things related to food, then their PCOS would be better. And we really, really have to give you the time and space to be able to work through these and really understand how they've impacted the way you feel about food. So for someone who really has never had those types of experiences, 
And a lot of the things that they tell themselves related to the food police are centered just around like societal talk, diet talk and diet culture and things you see on TV. I feel like that's completely different from your lived experience, even from going back to adolescence, where you have been told that food is affecting your PCOS. Another thing that man, I feel like I'm just talking about things that will feel more difficult. I just want you to be prepared or have a better understanding of what it may be like to work through these principles. Body respect is going to be another thing that feels more difficult because what I see with my clients is that you may be re- literally be receiving medical advice that is considered body disrespect. So when we talk about body respect, we think of things like eating regularly, eating enough, including satisfying foods. Even if you have a binge, you're still going to eat the next day. Wearing clothes that fit your body instead of feeling like your body is wrong and you need to shrink to fit into clothes that fit you. And, you know, if this is why I think your support system and your healthcare team is so important because how are you going to establish body respect if somebody who is your healthcare provider is telling you to eat 1200 calories, which is the calorie needs of a toddler. So really, again, thinking about what your body needs in order to just be cared for is really important. And again, your support system may play a role in that. I bet that that you thought I was going to just jump in and start talking about insulin resistance and feeling hungry all the time. But there are other things that you know, again, these are all of the nuances with intuitive eating and everybody experiences intuitive eating differently just based off of your history. But I am also going to talk about insulin resistance and honoring your hunger because this can feel really confusing if you have a medical condition like PCOS. And this is really where I hear people saying, well, like, oh, you can't be an intuitive eater because your body's not sending you the right signals. And this, again, kind of goes back to some of the misunderstandings about intuitive eating, that it's like a hunger fullness diet, or you eat all of the things, or you just like wake up in the morning and like... (laughs) your body magically tells you what you need to eat that that day. And hopefully you can see from our last episode that that's not what intuitive eating is. But with PCOS, I think having the understanding that when your blood sugars are unstable or when you have this underlying insulin resistance, that is going to make you feel hungry and that managing insulin resistance is a way to help this ongoing feeling of hunger. Having that understanding and then working to understand what that means for your own body, I think is really what this principle is all about. So are there certain food pairings or timing of meals that affect your hunger or does your 
sleep or stress affect your hunger? Does body movement affect your hunger? And really using that knowledge to kind of connect the dots to help you make nutrition and lifestyle choices that can hopefully help you manage PCOS so that you can feel better. So the principle of honoring your hunger, I don't think it's just about feeling your hunger. I think it's also about working to get more insight into how your body is feeling. Another thing that might look different for PCOS with intuitive eating is you are probably going to want to incorporate gentle nutrition or some parts of gentle nutrition earlier in your intuitive eating journey. So with insulin resistance, that's obviously going to affect appetite and cause cravings for sweets, feeling hungry all the time. Insulin resistance can also cause you to feel fatigue. It can cause you to have sleep issues depending on how severe it is. And nutrition can play a role in managing insulin resistance. It's not the only thing, though. So I don't want you to walk away from this conversation thinking like this is the only tool. But if some nutrition changes like adding protein or fat or fiber to your meals and snacks can help you, then that can help you improve your overall well-being like in the immediate time period. And a lot of people think that with intuitive eating, you have to follow the principles in order. And that's actually not true. And when I did the intuitive eating training with Evelyn Triboli, she talked about this. This is just kind of like a general misconception about intuitive eating. But I do think that working on letting go of the diet mentality is really important because you can't fully practice gentle nutrition with PCOS if you're still stuck in that diet mentality because those two will work against each other and your nutrition will probably not be gentle. It will probably be new sets of food rules. So I do generally agree with the idea of like working on challenging these food thoughts and letting go of dieting and like a bunch of the earlier principles are still important to work through. I think gentle nutrition would help you also in the beginning as well. And lastly, let's chat about movement. So I think when people picture wellness, they picture nutrition and body movement. And when I'm working with clients and even in my program, body movement is like not, (laughs) that's not even in like the forefront of my mind when I'm first working with someone. In my program, we start out by talking about letting go of the diet mentality and body image. Body image actually directly ties into how you make food choices if you have not listened to my episode with Brie Campos, that's episode two. I highly recommend listening to that. A lot of people don't really make the connection that so many of their struggles related to dieting are actually centered around body image. They kind of feel like 
it's all about health, but that's kind of like a surface level thought and body image struggles are often like what's going on deeper. But anyway, sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent. Body movement is something more that I visit towards the end of my program or later in the process of working with someone. And that is because a lot of people with PCOS experience fatigue. So how intuitive eating would look different for you is if you experience fatigue, it's really unrealistic for you to think that body movement is going to be enjoyable or even tolerable for you. Now, there is a little bit of a nuance there because if your fatigue is solely related to insulin resistance, then body movement might be a tool to help that. But a lot of times with PCOS, fatigue is coming from a lot of different places. It's multifactorial. We have to think about sleep issues like sleep apnea. We have to think about nutrient deficiencies, anemia, like a lot of different things. So I'm interested in exploring those first. And then if your energy levels improve, then bringing in movement or hopefully you get to a point where like you want to move your body because you're feeling more energetic. So if that really resonates with you, give yourself permission to not have movement at the forefront of your PCOS management journey and really lean into what your body needs. And if you're experiencing fatigue, you probably need to allow yourself to rest while you're exploring how to best address that. I hope this episode was helpful and enlightening for you. I hope that it opened up some new doors for you to understand some of the nuances with intuitive eating and how it might look different with a medical condition. I do think it's so important to look at your diet history and think about how much time you've spent dieting and really put into perspective like how long thoughts and feelings have been ingrained in you and also how your PCOS diagnosis has played a role in that to hopefully give yourself a little bit of grace as you're working on exploring some of these topics. All right. Well, this was really fun. I'm really enjoying this series. Every time I recorded an episode after I'm done, I'm like, I left out so many things. So even though this is going to initially be published as like a three-part episode, I'm kind of thinking about doing a couple more. But our next one is going to be all about obstacles that I see people typically encountering when they're trying to practice intuitive eating with PCOS a lot of things that kind of push people over the edge to where they feel like intuitive eating didn't work for them or they stopped trying to implement the framework. So I'm excited to jump into that episode and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can catch new episodes. I'd also be so grateful if you left a review and rating for the pod as well. See you next Wednesday.